All right, it is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. That means it's Blitz Wednesday. That means we're going to be interfacing here shortly with 99.7 The Blitz with Loper and Randy, where we're taking on uh, the vast listenership, legal questions, legal comments, legal concerns, whatever you want to call it. We're going to, uh, we're going to address the questions that we get. Um, and then obviously, if you have your own question by now, you know that all you have to do is go to lawyertalkpodcast.com and submit your question. We do the Q&A series where uh, you can uh, submit your question. I'll answer it in hopefully a short little bite-sized chunk. I uh, answered one uh, recently about uh, law school and whether somebody should go to law school, what should uh, what should they study in law school, and what should they do after law school. So insightful if you care about such things. If you don't, guess what? You can just skip that episode and go right to the next one because we're rolling them out at record speed. Uh, again, that would be lawyertalkpodcast.com. While you're there, if you want to become a patron, Patreon, that's easy. Just go to the little Patreon icon and uh, just, you know, maybe donate a buck a month. What, what's that to you? It's just a cup of coffee for us. But, uh, uh, you know, we're rolling out content. We're bringing you stuff weekly here at the roundtable and on the Q&A and on the breakdowns. Uh, anything you can do would be most helpful. But guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver the content anyway, so don't feel too much pressure. Uh, without further monkeying around with all this nonsense, it looks like the Blitz is ready, so uh, let's interface right now. All right, guys, we have Steve Palmer, one of my buddies here. What's up, Steve? How are you? Hey, doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Dude, doing awesome, man. We have uh, so many people that are lined up to speak to you today. We have a text that are coming in at 99700. What's your, uh, what's your thoughts as we wrap up this Amber Heard-Johnny Depp case? Well, you know, this is the hardest part for the lawyers. They're, they're sweating out the verdict, and I understand what they got like 10 hours of deliberations in already. Uh, now, Johnny seems to be okay. He flew over to England and was jamming with Jeff Beck. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> he's like Spicoli. They had this that's article right. that he invited Kate Moss out last night as he uh, did another Jeff Beck oh, date. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just that, saw that headline on the TV said, jurors asking questions as world awaits verdict. Yeah, I read some of their questions. You know what happens is the judge gives them all sorts of instructions, and, and these this is somewhat of a complex civil case, and, and they have instructions on how they're supposed to uh, apply the facts to the law, and uh, they just had some questions about one was a headline, whether the headline had to be false or the whole article. Uh, it's basic stuff. It just tells you that they're going through the evidence and they're going through the instructions. They're trying to do their job, which, you know, that's a good thing. All right, 821-9970, 800-821-9970. That is the telephone number. Now, Steve, I, I had a question for you. Now, like when uh, when the bank takes over a house, right, and you're living next door to it, um, do you have like any legal rights as far as like what happens with the lawn care and all of that stuff? Uh, like who, who does one con- – it's not actually happening to us. It's, it's a friend of mine that is going through this problem. But like, who do you contact in that case? Like, do you have to contact the bank to find out who's going to mow the grass and stuff? Well, it, you know, you don't have, or the home, or let's just say your neighbor doesn't have the authority to tell the bank to do anything, but you know who does, the zoning department and or the building department of whatever burg or city they're living in. And uh, not to say that's going to be a real efficient process, but that's where I would start. I would make a complaint and uh, they will reach out to whoever the owner is. And, and it sounds like it's in uh, the bank's uh, the titled in the bank's name right now, and they're probably going to do a sale. Um, but that's where I'd start. Now, you could also try to contact the bank directly, whether you can get them to do anything. I, I, I'd be surprised if you could even find the right person to talk to. But short of that, uh, call the city, and the city will, in theory, uh, reach out and do it. Do what they're supposed to do. Now, I know if I didn't mow my grass, somebody would figure it out, and I would get some <laughs> sort of notice. Now, if you're right. a bank, I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, well, we're both married, so that that's I, I know exactly who would reach out. Um, so here's the uh, here's here's the question that a lot of people have asked us uh, about the Second Amendment. And, you know, after the, the latest school shooting, there's been a lot of talk. Does Washington actually have the executive power in, in that branch to take away the Second Amendment or how like how how many steps would they have to go through to change something like that? Well, uh, it, it, there's it's a huge question you've just asked. I mean, do, can Washington get rid of the Second Amendment? Well, no. There's actually a process written in the Constitution, so anybody who has any questions about it, they can just go read it. It tells you exactly what you need to do uh, to amend the Constitution, and I think it requires like two-thirds of the states to uh, to vote, and you know, we la- I don't know when the last amendment to the Constitution happened, but it's a substantial process that requires a lot of support. There's a reason it requires a lot of support, because you know, the founders wrote the Constitution in such a way that uh, uh, that it would be difficult to change it. As far and as – oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, as far as making changes to gun laws, what's going to happen is the legislative branch, in theory, has the authority to pass laws. So, you know, it's like uh, the old I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. The, the Congress would meet either in the House or the Senate. They would uh, – uh, write up a law. It would pass both, pass both sides. The president gets to sign it. And then if somebody that is one of us or some organization feels like the law impinges upon a constitutional right, like the Second Amendment, they challenge the law in the U.S. Supreme Court. Eventually, it starts in maybe the lower courts, but it goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says, you know, this law goes too far. It violates the Second Amendment or some other constitutional provision. Now, what's happened in modern times is the president or the executive branch has sort of grown fond of uh, using the pen to issue executive orders. Uh, and it's not just Biden, you know, Trump did some of this and Obama did a lot of it where they just start writing rules with executive orders. And, uh, they either do it directly through an executive order or they try to influence or they use the power of the administrative state to change the rules, uh, in the administrative branch of government. Here would be ATF, uh, or maybe even department of health or, whatever whatever they want to use to try to uh, create gun rules. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree that the executive branch has that kind of a power constitutionally, but even if they do, it still will be challenged against the Second Amendment and the U.S. Supreme Court will have to decide. So there's a process for all of this. And, you know, people may not like the process, but, uh, you know, there's an old saying that if you don't keep these things in place, sooner or later the devil will turn back on you and then you'll be stuck without any safeguards. So we've got to keep these safeguards in place, even if it protects something that is seemingly unpopular at the time, because uh, you can't just get rid of the, the protections for one thing and expect them to be there for others in the future. 100%. 100%. All right, let's go to line one here. Derek standing by to ask Steve Palmer a question. Derek, what is your question, brother? Um, I got a neighbor that their house has been vacant for 22 years. Uh, they got into a, he caught his wife cheating on him. So he's refusing to sell the property because he doesn't want to give her any money basically. And the house is a wreck. Like I live in a township inside Grove city and I cannot get anybody to do anything with this property. My township mows their grass, but not till it's like waist high. And yeah, I just didn't know what steps I could take. Yeah, I don't know. Again, this is sort of a zoning area or a zoning issue, and I'm not sure I can point you in the right direction because it's a township. You, you got to start with the township, and then maybe they can file. You can file a complaint in 
in Grove City or maybe even Franklin County. I, I Honestly, I just don't know the hierarchy of authority where you're going to have to mount the attack. I know, say it's in the city of Columbus, people would go file a complaint sooner or later, uh, or the zoning board would file a complaint sooner or later against folks, and they would have to show up in environmental court, and uh, they would have to uh, either remedy the situation or be held in contempt or worse. Uh, whatever that process is in your township, that's where you need to start. I don't know the process in your township. I, I feel for you because these things, you know, the, the government says they care, but they really, when it comes down to it, this is not the squeaky wheel for them. And uh, maybe the best yeah. thing to do is make it the squeaky wheel within the bounds of the rules, of course, but make it the squeaky wheel and uh, get a bunch of people this, in the neighborhood to uh, to join you. Straight looks up like it's out of the movie Jumanji. I <laughs> bet, man. And that's annoying too, man, <laughs> to, to live next to somebody that, that just doesn't care and lets it go like that. Okay, you know? but listen, our mower is broken, seriously, and our grass is so high right now, and it is stressing my husband out so is much. Is it a riding mower or a It's push? a riding mower. Uh-huh. It we could help is, you out with the push. He is so stressed. He's got. He's ordered new blades, and then another part he needed. He's waiting for everything. So, if you're our neighbor and you see our out of control lawn, it'll be fixed soon. But, I, yeah, it is stressing Do him out. Do you need like one to just to use until level. until he fixes a riding? Because we have a push one. We don't have a riding. Well, we have a push mower too. Self propelled. It sounds like a lot. So much yeah. land. That yeah. It is like you could cut out a little place. Yeah, to a little hang place out. at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's just a place a little the bit every day. So some of us are are trying to be responsible, but just uh, uh sorry, just as Kelly was a, a guilty sorry to our neighbor, yeah. all of our neighbors. And you know what? That's so funny. Let Derek know. He is listen. I mean, I don't really feel bad for a guy that lives that close to a jolly pirate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you got a pretty easy life down there in Grove City, my friend, yeah. living right there next to the delicious jolly pirate. Let's go to uh, line two, right, Rick? You grew up yeah, there. No, dude, you know. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Jolly Pirate and Dairy Queen right next to each you other. Start, yeah, you start complaining. Your mammal will remind you of that fast. <laughs> hey, uh, Mark, how you doing, man? You're on with Steve Palmer and Loper hey, and Randy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, I have a question. Um, it actually involves a uh, med- uh, medical field. Uh, I was uh, getting a COVID test, uh, and they uh, – so I went in, and it was supposed to be free, um, and I just got a uh, bill for all three of my uh, family members, including me, for almost a thousand dollars just to get a COVID test. Um, and I didn't sign anything or like give any like uh, medical uh, like ID uh, at the time. Uh, can they do that? Well, I don't. Who is they? Let's start there. Uh, it was like a care. It was like a. a urgent care yeah and why did you think it was going to be free uh because at the time uh, i was uh, during the uh high rate of testing and stuff and they advertised that that uh, their testing was free and so before you went in and before you got the test did you sign something that would say the test was free i didn't sign anything we just went and took the test all right well, I, I tell you what I would do. I would probably write them a letter and say you dispute the bill. I would say that you didn't agree to this. It was your understanding that the test was going to be free, and then see what they say. Make sure you challenge this. Um, but I, I would also uh, caution you. Make sure you challenge it in writing. Make sure you're very clear about what your position is, and uh, don't just blow it off because what will happen is if you blow it off, they will eventually send you over to some collection agent, and uh, sooner or later it will screw up your credit. So y- it doesn't mean that you owe right. it necessarily, but you want to stay on top of it. And so many people say, well, this is BS. I'm not going to pay it. 
uh, and they just blow it off. Well, next thing they know, they check their credit when they buy a car or something, and there's a there's a ding there, and it's not good. So what I would do is make sure you challenge it. Make sure you say you're disputing the debt. You want verification that you're responsible for the debt, and uh, and then see how they respond. Then the ball's in their court to respond. Um, and, and I think we dealt with something like this last week. It's like the, there's something called the Fair Debt Collection Act, and there's rules in place. Once you challenge it and ask for verification, they can't keep on the collection efforts. So make sure you stay on it. You know, a thousand bucks is nothing to sneeze at, but it's probably also going to be more to defend the case if you hired a lawyer. So it, I, I'm sort of suggesting maybe you, you try to navigate the waters on your own here, at least at first. All right, this one come, uh, comes via text. The company I work for had my friend working her overtime hours along with a group of other people, and they said that they were approved to give out overtime. So they're asking everybody to adjust their hours to where it says 40 hours a week and then just having them take an extra day off next week. Yeah, I'm not so sure they can do that. I'm not so sure they can't do that. But I would say this, it's probably something that an employment lawyer should look at. Um, generally speaking, uh, if you work more than 40 hours, they owe you time and a half. Uh, if they ask you to work and you work, then it seems to me that there is a bargain here that they're not getting the benefit of. And uh, to say that we'll just give you a day off to make up for that, I'm not so sure that's going to get it done. Uh, but like I said, I'm not sure, so sure it won't. There might be a contract in place. There might be something else underlying this. Or there might be some nuance of employment law that I just don't know. It turns out I don't know everything. But um, uh, give us a shout, 614-224-6142, and maybe I can get you referred to an employment lawyer who will know. Since overtime's time and a half, I would think they would have to give you a day and a half off, right? Well, <laughs> there you go. correct. Even if the even if it's a, sub, a, a valid substitute, a day off is a valid substitute for the time and a half, it has to be equivalent to what you would be owed, right? So you can't say, right. I'm going to let you, I'm going to make you work 60 hours this week and only, uh, you know, 40 or 30 next week and make up for it that way, or 20 next week and make up for it that way. It doesn't work, uh, I don't believe, under the law, it'll work that way. So I, I would need to know more, and I would need to uh, do some research to get a definitive <laughs> answer. Oh, my God. All right, perfect, man. Uh, let's go to line one here. Uh, Sean. Sean. Hi. Uh, what's up, man? You got a question for Steve Palmer? Uh, yeah. Um, I was just wondering, I've been, been doing a lot of, like, car shopping here lately, and been going to these dealerships, and I see that they uh, – on the manufacturer price, they have, like, say, 20000 But then you go and look on their paper, and it says, like, they're up in at 24000 Is that legal? Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, a dealer, it, it's an arm's-length transaction. Um, and, and the fact that you know that, it makes it even more arm's-length. You can always say no. You don't have to buy the car. You know, so far, knock on wood, there is no regulation that tells a private business uh, that, they're, 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 how much they have to sell a product for. Um, you, you know, okay. they, they, uh, they, if, if the market demands it, they're going to mark it up. I, it's funny because I was looking at a truck recently uh, when I was uh, buying something or we were engaged in some other car transaction and there was a truck in the showroom and it, it was a fancy beefed up truck, but they were selling it like 30,000 over sticker, 20,000 over sticker. And wow. there's a lot of that going on right now just because of supply and demand. And that's legal. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, look, you, you, here's the good news. You can just say, no, you don't have to buy the car. And I know that I know, I'm not trying to be flip about it, but nobody's forcing you to do it. And uh, hopefully sooner or later, uh, the supply chain is corrected or something changes because there have been times in recent years where we've gotten very good deals on cars. So there's always a, an ebb and flow. Now, 
Um, I would argue humbly that the government has been involved in some of this shortage. And as soon as they get their hands out of the cookie jar here, things will sort of loosen up. But uh, until now, we're sort of stuck as consumers with this kind of, with these problems. All right. Thank you. I, I just, I'd heard that, that uh, technically that legally they had to be binded by the manufacturer sticker price and that if they're marking it up, that they're price gouging and that's illegal. No, I, I, not as far as I know. As far as I can tell, it's just an arm's length transaction. Now, if there's fraud in place, if they're trying to, if they're not telling you things, or they're giving you false information or misleading information, that's a whole different story. Um, and you know, I've been involved in plenty of car deals, and my my rules are very simple. I want to know how much profit the dealer is making. I don't care that they're making profit. I always tell them that, but I just want to know. I want to know what what the margins are, and uh, then I can sort of make my own informed decision. Now, if they don't tell me, I, I go do my own research, and I can I can either say yay or nay. But, uh, yeah, man, I feel for you. It's tough times to buy a car right now. I had a buddy recently who tried to buy a used car, and it was a disaster. But, um, you know, uh, hopefully things change soon. All right, we have two texts that we're going to get to before the end of the segment here. Yes, okay, um, let's go to Danielle. Question for Steve. When I divorced, it was stipulated that neither party was allowed to comment about the other on the divorce on social media. My ex and his partner consistently make posts calling me abusive to my children. I'm not, and they've called CPS on me, who've also cleared me. I have motions pending on family court. But can I go after them for slander or libel? Yeah, uh, maybe, you know, these are, these are slander and libel. It's an interesting, we talked about this with our good friend Norm here at the round table recently in our podcast where, uh, slander and libel are tough to prove. You got to, you're going to have to come up with some actual damages. Um, and sometimes that's easy to do. Sometimes it's not so easy to do. It's a lot easier to, to make those kind of cases when it impacts your job or your ability to earn a living. So if somebody says, look, you're a horrible plumber and it's not true, uh, and they're 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 engaged in that kind of communication. It's easier to come up with actual damages. Um, I, I think your best avenue of relief right now is in domestic relations court with a contempt action, and it sounds like that's what you've got going on. So, and if you have an attorney there, that's going to be the place. That's the person to ask. They're, they're going to have a better insight into this, and uh, they'll know more. All right. Do we have one more? Yes, we do. Um, this guy says that. Um, Oh my God, they keep moving around because there's so many. I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, okay. I run a small printing business and I had a lady under contract. She locked me out of the job before our deadline. She refuses to pay even for what we completed. Is there anything we can do? Yeah, go to court. You can sue. So if you've got a contract and uh, you've performed on the contract and you haven't been paid for what you've done and the other person just shut it down or shut, shut you out, it sounds like, I don't know what's going on or how it works in your business. Uh, but it sounds like they just cut you off and said, no, Moss, we're not going to uh, work with you anymore, and there's no good reason for that, then you can sue for breach of contract. Now, even if there is a, even if the court says, well, it turns out the contract isn't valid, there's something else out there, and it's called uh, unjust enrichment, which is fancy legal talk for saying they got something they didn't pay for. So whatever benefit they've received so far from your services, they should have to pay for that, even if it's outside the realm of the underlying contract. So if you sue them, there'll be two claims. One is a breach of contract, and two is unjust enrichment. Again, that's just fancy talk for saying uh, they got a windfall. They got something they weren't allowed to get, or they shouldn't have gotten free. All right, there you go. Steve Palmer, uh, if you ever need him, 
check him out uh, on his podcast, Legal Talk. You can find that also on theblitz.com. And if they want to get in touch with you, Steve, I know we just had a holiday weekend here, but as we get into summer, man, there's nothing more fun than having a good time with the Memorial Week here upon us. Yeah, you know, this is like, uh, it's like the Fertile Crescent for drunk driving cases up there. So everybody be careful, you know, Uber's around and there's plenty of public, or there's plenty of sort of transportation that you can use. But even then, the police are out looking for uh, impaired drivers and the best advice is don't do it. But if you do, if you end up in those uh, unfortunate circumstances, put my number in your phone now. That way you won't be stumbling for it later. 614-224-6142. Steve, I have a suggestion for you. Okay, completely off topic. You got to check out on YouTube Primitive Tool. Primitive Tool. Primitive it's this, yeah, it's this whole YouTube channel where these guys like will have like 25 days to build like the most amazing underground house with a pool and or slide or like outdoor kitchen. And they, they literally just take like a couple of shovels and they make this incredible build. And I know that you're into that kind of thing. So that's my suggestion for you this week. Primitive Tool. I'll check it out. I'll tell you how to stay home this week and I'll catch up on all the episodes. I want you to. <laughs> and then we'll talk about it next Wednesday, of course. Steve Palmer, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! All right, another great blitz session. I love the legal questions, man. It just always is like it, it, it it's a reflection of what's going on in the world, and that's one of the reasons I sort of uh, I, I got drawn to the law, and that's maybe the only good reason. But uh, it's like a it's like you're looking in societal mirrors when you deal with legal problems like this, and particularly the ones that that just the common people have to encounter. Um, buying cars is always a always a headache, and there's always questions and calls about that. Uh, this is sort of new this week anyway with, uh, with the uh, property issues and maintaining property. But I guess it makes sense this time of year. People aren't cutting the grass. But anyway, as always, we tune in every Wednesday with the Blitz. We answer their legal questions. We take the calls, the texts, et cetera. But if you didn't get through, as I've said this time and thousands of times before, just go to LawyerTalkPodcast.com and submit your question. I got a couple on deck that are or one on deck, one in the hole that's coming soon. But uh, after that, we're free and clear. We got time to answer your questions. Uh, go ahead and submit them, LawyerTalkPodcast.com. We're going to shift over to the roundtable here in a minute, and uh, we're going to take on uh, more and lots of interesting long-form discussions and topics so check it out this is uh for now lawyer talk with the blitz off the record on the air at least until now